0: Welcome to the From Daily Podcast, where I give you a little bit of Eric From and some encouragement for your personal growth journey every day. I'm your host, Lacey Delane. And I am super happy to have you for another episode of From Daily. Welcome. So glad you're here. Hope you guys are all doing well and look forward to sharing with you um, what I have for you today. <clears throat> so, we have been talking a little bit about. Uh, consumerism and how consumerism is a compensation for our anxiety and depression. Uh, it's a substitute for the joy of life. Fromm has written about this extensively. Um, and in yesterday's episode, we talked a little bit about how um, Frome's observations are that unconsciously this uh, creates a new type of person who is passive, empty, anxious, and isolated from um, from their life, from themselves, from nature. And uh, life has become quite meaningless for them, and they're pretty alienated and bored. Um, so uh, from that starting point, I want to, from that context, I wanted to give you that context before I started to read to you a little bit today and chat with you a little bit about um, what we'll talk about today it's still in the same vein of uh, of consumption um, but it's a little bit different I'm reading for to you today from um, the book the essential from it's by uh, edited by Rainier funk all of this is uh, written by Eric From um, but it's been compiled by uh, Rainier funk All right, so he says, in fact, the anxious, bored, alienated person compensates for his anxiety by a compulsive consumption that as a general illness, or more precisely, as a symptom of the pathology of normalcy, no one thinks is an illness. So he's saying these anxious, bored, alienated people are compensating for their anxiety by compulsive consumption, or by buying without even thinking about it. They're just buying, 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 buying. Uh, It's a compulsive thing, and it's kind of trained and conditioned into them by society, but it's also something that is done to relieve some stress and an inner vacuity. Um, And he's saying that this is something that he called The pathology of normalcy, um, meaning how pathological normalcy has become, or how um, crazy we all are, I guess (laughs) you could say. Um, We actually did an episode on our regular Rethinking Humanity podcast talking precisely about the pathology of normalcy. um, And I think it's a quite impactful um, ideology. Um, So he's saying that this is uh, proof that we are all ill, that there is an illness, but no one thinks it's an illness. He says, indeed, one thinks of the idea of illness only when someone is sicker than other people. When, however, everyone suffers from the same illness, the idea of illness does not at all arise in people's minds. So I think that this is quite interesting and I wanted to throw a question to you to think about is um, do you think that an illness is an illness regardless of how many people have it? Or do you think an illness is an illness is only an illness if it's different than what everybody else suffers from? Um, I think it's really interesting the idea of the pathology of normalcy, i.e. the idea that the way we're living is pathological, the idea that our way of life makes us sick and it's not good for us. Um, I think it's a very interesting idea. I think it's probably not a very popular idea. I think it's probably not a convenient idea for the type of Socioeconomic structure that we live in, i.e., capitalism. Um, I don't think that it's something that e- would be easily accepted. Uh, however, I do have to mention um, someone who I respect very highly has written a book recently that just came out in September of 2020. And um, his name is Dr. Gabor Mate. His book is actually titled The Myth of Normal. So I'm pretty sure that that's pretty parallel with the pathology of normalcy as Fromm would have said it. Um, And quite honestly, uh, what he dives into, Dr. Gabor Mate in this book, is precisely this idea that we have become a society of sick people. We have created a society that um, fosters sickness uh, and doesn't allow us to live. And part of that is the drive to consume. Um, And so I want to read a little bit from his book as well. Um, I've got a couple of things highlighted and um, just to make the connection between the two, he says, Neil Postman's observation as far back as 1985 in his seminal cultural critique, amusing ourselves to death. Um, he says Com- commercials full of happy looking people tell nothing about the products being sold, but they tell everything about the fears, fancies, and dreams of those who might buy them. What the advertiser needs to know is not what is right about the product, but what is wrong about the buyer. And that was um, Neil Postman, I believe, that he is quoting here. Um, Driven by a culturally fueled conviction of insufficiency. This is uh, Mate writing now. We become addicted to consumption. Consumption is a way in which you mute the pain, says Glover. This is um, someone he interviewed for the book. Uh, I know people who have plenty of resources to divert the pain by buying unnecessarily. The structure of capitalism creates a situation where people's value relies on their capacity to consume. So true. And later on, um, Dr. Gabor Mate writes, healthy people that are connected to their real emotions and authentic requirements would not be susceptible to blandishments, inciting artificial needs and the products to satisfy them, no matter how cleverly packaged. Now he's observing that we are a society full of people who do just that we are susceptible to the blandishments that incite artificial needs and the products that satisfy them. No matter how cleverly packaged um they came, if we were healthy, we wouldn't fall for that. So I think that this is uh, quite a, a good topic to be hitting on, topic to be thinking on, um, how the overlap of consumerism, capitalism, and our sick way of life um how they come together um, i definitely feel like um, i've noticed in my own life even after moving to spain um, i've observed myself uh feeling this compulsion to consume and i'm going to share a little bit more with you about that on um on friday whenever um uh, we do our our pay our episode for our paid um, Subscribers, so if you want to uh, hear more about how I can totally relate to this um, Just based on the fact that I grew up in the US. I think um, I Think you you might enjoy hearing my story and you may actually be able to relate to the story as well from goes on to say that this inner void this inner anxiety is symbolically cured by compulsive consumption Compulsive eating disorder is the paradigm of this mechanism. If one looks into why certain people suffer from compulsive eating disorders, the one indeed finds that behind this disorder, there is something unconscious, namely depression or anxiety. And a person feels empty. A person feels empty. And in order to simultaneously fill this void symbolically, he fills himself up with other things with things that come from the outside in order to overcome the feeling of inner emptiness and inner weakness. Many people notice in themselves that when they are anxious or depressed, they have a certain tendency to buy something or to go to the refrigerator or eat a little more than usual. And that, that they then feel somewhat less depressed or somewhat let somewhat less anxious, although it doesn't relieve the pain. I think this is interesting because I've definitely noticed Within myself, when I feel depressed, uh, I have a certain tendency to go to the store, to go buy something, um, also to the refrigerator, if I'm bored, if I'm anxious. I know in, in 2020, during the lockdown, I definitely spent more money on like ordering food in, buying things than I typically would, because I was feeling very depressed. <laughs> I was alone in my apartment. Um, for most of the lockdown in 2020 from March until I guess around May is whenever I really was able to get out and meet people outside. So I absolutely uh, can, can relate to this. I wonder if you can too. I wonder if you've noticed times when you've gone to the refrigerator or you've had a tendency to buy something and if it made you feel better and if it solve the problem if it caused if it solved the uh issue and i think what from is trying to tell us based on his experience as a psychoanalyst um and a sociologist is that it's not it's not the answer and i think what dr gabor mate would say is there's something deeper there from would say the same thing dr gabor mate would say there's something deeper there Um, and likely it's unresolved trauma, um, and the trauma of everyday life doesn't help us to be able to, uh, deal with our unresolved trauma. Um, but we're going to talk more about what the trauma of everyday life is and what that might mean and, um, what we might be able to do to, um, discontinue this trend of compulsive consumption. So, as I close, I just want to encourage you today um, in the avenue of radical acceptance. i don't I wonder if you guys have l- heard of this concept. It's probably not very popular. I haven't heard it a lot. Um, but from what I've read from the wise writers, um, the religious leaders, it's really something that's um, and a concept that's respected and mentioned. Um, I actually really learned this uh, while working with my therapist. Um, It's helped me release a lot of stress from my life. In essence, it's just accepting without judgment or frustration, whatever happens, whatever circumstances you're faced with, embracing them and trusting that there will be a good purpose in them for you that you will be able to see at some point. The reality is, of course, we can't control everything. Um, so why should we try? Why should we force it? Why do we try? Why do we force it? Why do we expect to be able to control everything? I don't think it's really fruitful to do so. Um, so that's something that I've really, um, put a lot of effort into on a daily basis to accept what happens and trust that even if it's, something that I wouldn't have planned or was not hoping for, that it's still something good in it for me at the end. There's a good purpose in it for me that I will see and understand later. After all, the lockdown of 2020 was very difficult in the moment, but what came out of it for me that was a good purpose, that was good, was that I learned how much how wonderful it is to be more to have more autonomy over my time and my life. And so, at the end, I'm thankful and happy that that happened, even though it was really hard. So hopefully that's something that encourages you today. On Friday, I want to share with you um, a story about an experience I had with radical acceptance. It's the first time that I really practiced it. Um, and after I really had like really begun to learn it in therapy and the positive results that came from it, it is a principle, like I said, that I really reached to embrace in my daily life. Um, and since I began, it really has brought me, um, a lot of peace. For now, I'll say goodbye. If you want more from content, check out FromDaily.com. that's from with two Ms, F-R-O-M-M D-A-I-L-Y dot C-O-M. To access our Friday episodes, become a paid subscriber of the From Daily Substack. Paid subscribers have access to our weekly personal growth support group, hosted by yours truly, Fridays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time Live. Weekly Substack chats, Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, are open to free and paid subscribers alike. Let's see each other there. I hope your day brings you lots of new experiences from which to learn and grow, and you find the value in them. And regardless of where you are in your journey, I'm proud of you. You're in the process, in the process of growth, and that's what counts. Yeah. I'm Lacey Delane signing off. See you next time on the From Daily Podcast.